This is the Digital Corporate Communication Podcast. Hello, I'm Dr. Mark Badham. And I'm Professor Vilma Luomaaho. Together we research corporate communication at Uvascular University School of Business and Economics. And we are co-editors of the Handbook of Digital Corporate Communication, or DCC. In this podcast series, we interview some of the best corporate communication scholars across the globe. Each one has written a chapter for the handbook. We ask, what is technology changing or not changing in corporate communication? And how are we dealing with the influence of technology? Today, we are talking about digital corporate communication and issues management. We are talking with Professor Laura Ilia, who is head of department of mass media and communication research at University of Freiburg, Switzerland. A lot of her research interests tend to center around communication processes taking place through social media and other new media, which contribute to the formation and management of legitimacy, reputation issues, and corporate social responsibility of business. Welcome to the podcast, Laura. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, Laura, issues is much discussed in our corporate communication scholarship and other disciplines as well. How do you define issues, especially from an organizational point of view? So issue is an event, or if you want also a fact, um, uh, a topic that might become problematic for an organization. But what really characterizes it is that at the same time, depending on how it's managed, it can really become an opportunity. Mm -hmm. So let me make you an example. You have a company having a product defeat. Of course, this is clearly an issue, a problem, but depending on how they fix that and how proactively they are and how they engage into, into a good management of that, this can even become a, a, an opportunity to show how the, good the company is, right? So mm -hmm. uh, that's why issues has these two faces. And uh, even though the word itself in English recalls a problem, in reality, it's something that also can become positive. Uh-huh, right. So can... Uh, is everything uh, an issue? Uh, it seems that many things can turn into an issue, but what's the difference between just a problem that's being discussed and something becoming mm -hmm. an issue? So clearly, <clears throat> I would say an issue, it's not the same like a topic or like uh, any any problem, right? And, and, and there are two reasons. Uh, first of all, an issue is something, uh, it's, a, it's a problem that has behind a stakeholder so someone who is interested in this issue, who's advocating pro or against it, right? So it's promoting, it's developing communication around it. Mm -hmm. And uh, whereas a topic itself or any event, any problem doesn't forcibly have that. Mm -hmm. That's, I would say, one of the reasons why issues different from other events. And, and another reason is that an issue differently from any topic, any event, uh, my, has a characteristic that... Um, it's something that uh, an audience has an interesting interest and in, and it's something that has a societal relevance so uh, an issue might be related for example with diversity uh, with environment uh, with different things that are important also from an economical standpoint from societal viewpoint and that's why it makes it an issue right because it's a high relevance um but uh, and it has an interest by someone mm -hmm. an event a topic doesn't forcibly has that mm -hmm. okay so how do you define issues management then, Laura? Um, so really, if we speak in the organizational context, 
I would say that's a practice. It's a it's a it's a it's a profession uh, uh, that uh, has two aims. First, to identify what is the most critical issue, right, from the point of view of the organization. Mm -hmm. So issues management is really about prioritizing problems and understanding which issue is the most important to address first, because of course a business and an organization might have many different issues going on at the same time. Doesn't mean that you have to manage them with the same priority, all of them. So that's uh, that's really what's the core at issues management, prioritizing, analyzing, uh, monitoring and understanding how to prioritize issues. And the other thing which relates strictly to that, it's about understanding which stakeholders are the most important and are advocating particularly, and those the organization should engage with. And uh, and this, I think um, it's very important to understand that issues management, it's about enhancing organizational learning, right? It's about managing these prioritizations of issues and stakeholders for making the organization learn, uh, making it, you know, reduce the gap between what it says and what really the reality is in the organization. And it's really about being proactive and preventing things. Mm -hmm. So uh, the idea, it's really about having a constant uh, understanding of what's going on outside and inside the organization to be able really to uh, uh, be proactive in, in envisaging things. So if you want, it's a little bit like playing chess, right? You always mm -hmm. try to look at the next move while you do the current move. And and I would say, and maybe I'm using this metaphor because I like chess, but uh, mm -hmm. I see issues management a lot like that. Oh, that's a very good metaphor, Laura. Um, if anything can become an issue, who do you say becomes a leader on an issue? Is it any stakeholder who is just the loudest or who takes it up earliest or mm -hmm. or an organization who responds? I mean, is there like such a thing as kind of like a voice leader of, of an issue? So I think it really depends the context we are referring to. Uh, 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 I would say today, especially in the digital world, but maybe we will talk about this later, there are different leading opinion leaders, right? Mm. That might not forcibly be the, inf the most important influencers, no? But I would say originally, yes. Originally, uh, 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 when you when you have an issue, you have typically uh, a stakeholder group who is advocating particularly, and actually the way to prioritize and understand them is really to understand who is saying something, who is developing information, who's really at the leading of providing an, an, an opinion about it. Mm -hmm. So clearly there is someone moving moving mm -hmm. this issue, right? And that's what makes an issue different from just any other event, right? Because mm -hmm. yeah. otherwise everything is an issue. And, yeah. and yeah. Even, even, even the organizations need to be in the issues management mode. They don't need to be mm -hmm. <laughs> in a constant one, right? Yeah. For everything. They really need to understand what is real an issue, what's not. Mm. So digitalization has changed so much, hasn't it? I want to ask you, how has digitalization impacted or changed the way that organizations deal with issues today? Well, I would say uh, enormously, and uh, and uh, but at the same time, doesn't mean that that's completely revolutionized, you know, issues management. So why why I'm saying that? Well, clearly, um, since digitalization is there, uh, 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 the most important thing that has changed is that, in fact, before in the pre-digital phase, an organization that wants to see to manage issues look at voices, like you said before, right? The one voice that's out there, a leading organization, an NGO, a governmental institution, or 
uh, any 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 organization that says something relating to that issue and he's advocating for it and could start to manage it this way. Whereas right now in the digital area, voices are more refracted and more fragmented, right? So one has uh, a different constituencies that are stakeholders because of course they have a stake in the, organi in the organization, but they're not only stakeholders. They maybe have a stake in a specific issue that relates with the organization and not directly the organization, right? Mm -hmm. And you have different people having different viewpoints and much more fragmented. And therefore, uh, because there is more possibility uh, for different voices to be heard today, right? Mm -hmm. Rather than having, for example, news media mediating these voices and, and, and picking up the most relevant one and, and, uh, and broadcasting it, right? Now, today, uh, potentially everybody can broadcast its own voice mm -hmm. and this voice can become prominent. And when it becomes prominent, it's when others participate and appropriate what this person says to their own domain, right? That's why things right. become fragmented. Mm -hmm. And this is very, very turning point. Like when I teach, I say to students, uh, you know, what really changes a lot is that right now something which potentially is just one issue, maybe might become five because of the way it evolves and refracts and changes mm -hmm. and is reappropriated online. And therefore the organization needs really to understand how to deal with this fragmentation of issues. Mm -hmm. Right. And whoever is... Uh, translated into the process and yeah and you know so the, then the main difference is that before it was about monitoring one voice one ngo understanding an institutional stakeholders there so one could start to look at stakeholders while around and then understand the issues they advocate whereas right now is the other way around one really starts from issues and needs to understand all these refractive viewpoints this ecosystem of individuals that discuss convert understand their personal experiences and trying to identify which voice is the most important to address. Mm -hmm. So it's actually paradoxically more difficult for organizations because even though they have really this opportunity to monitor and understand what's said, at the same time, it's more difficult to understand which claim it's really telling them something directly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. Is there such a thing as fake issues or fake stakeholders? <laughs> we like to call them fake holders here in Uvascula. But yeah. Yes. Yeah. So um, I would say this is, of course, fake uh, disinformation. So intended misinformation. So disinformation, it's always been there. It's not new, no, that there are rumors around and sometimes these rumors are not true. Uh, and uh, But this is clearly a phenomenon that has boosted in the last years. And sometimes there are issues that are moved by uh, uh, fake holders, right? That they intend to make money out of, of, uh, of making circulating uh, information, which is not true, right? And, and so uh, if we think about a, an issue which relates, for example, a product problem or a CEO uh, behavior or you know, fake, fake information relating to that, um clearly uh what we can see is that from my viewpoint there is a in a kind of professionalization compared to the past there is really more this phenomenon of the dark pr where there are maybe uh, uh, uh individuals that professionalize and really make out money out of that right mm -hmm. uh, uh and uh, so it's i think it's a growing phenomenon and i'm right now conducting a study we look at the fake news of the top 500, Fortune 500 companies, and we're trying to understand what makes them more visible, right? What characterizes this news? 
-hmm. that are fake, that have been proved to be fake, what is a characteristic? And clearly what we could see is that the CSR, the governance of companies, is what really is instrumentalized more to make the news seem true, right? So if you want the CSR and the governance aspects, which are those where the companies push a lot their ethical and the good image on, mm -hmm. is what is really the vulnerability into the world of fake information. Because why? Because if you want to make an information look true when it's fake, you leverage on the emotion and ideology of people and CSR and governance has a lot to do with that. So mm. people believe it more, right? When it's mm. framed that way. And so definitely this is a new issue itself. I would say the, the fake, the mm. disinformation and this has to be uh, something that really it's uh, should be in the agenda of issues managers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You just mentioned something interesting there that, uh, I guess some some issues are cool and uh, everyone wants to jump into them. Are some issues too hot to engage in, do you think, for some organizations? Uh, you mean when you defend yourself as an organization and we are trying to advocate on them? Well, it sounds like the sustainability and environmental type mm -hmm. of issues, uh, it would seem tempting for organizations, to, all of them, just to step in and make you know become involved in them. Mm -hmm. Um, but some issues are probably not, they might sound cool and trendy, but uh, perhaps organizations should not jump into them. For instance, you were talking before about uh, sometimes there's, there's stakeholders of organizations, but there's stakeholders of issues who aren't stakeholders of organizations. When an, an organization steps into an issue, um, they'll draw in all sorts of other stakeholders suddenly as stakeholders of the organization. There's a connection there. They could mm -hmm. get into trouble. I see. So, um, well, I think this goes back uh, to this is how this allows me to elaborate on the fact that issues management has a lot to do with what the company stands for, right? Mm, and yeah. uh, and clearly, if there are some uh, some an issue which is hot, which uh, but it's core for mm. who the company is, what it stands for. Uh, clearly, there is no doubt that that's an issue for which the company should really uh, go and advocate for, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, and so it really goes back to what is strategy, right? And what is mm -hmm. positioning and what is the culture and what is what is the organization? Who is the organization, right? And so we don't have to forget that issues management is not a practice that stands alone. Before comes strategy, before comes what's the identity, right? Mm. And then an issues management is related to that. So when you prioritize, you prioritize based on how these stakeholders advocate, how urgent they are, how you know there is already information, how much you are isolated, different criteria. But uh, uh, ultimately, this has to do with uh, what the organization stands for. So I would say, to answer concretely with an example to your question, I don't know, let's take, for example, uh, uh, the company Dove, right? That they advocate for the self-esteem of young women. If there is an issue which relates with that, which is maybe hot and not, not easy to jump in, that relates with that, and this is core of who they stand for in the last 10, 15 years, there is no doubt that they should jump on it anyway, right? Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. um, Talk Just to make you one example. Yeah. yeah. Talking of Dove, um, I don't know, Laura, if you've heard, there was a recent crisis in Finland by Dove because they engaged several influencers um, to write an op-ed in one of the leading uh, newspapers in Finland about how they uh, sign up or how they pledge to not use filters and not monitor their or, or mm -hmm. not change their 
their appearance um, to appear to beauty standards, but just just to represent themselves more naturally. And um, of course, this is a good thing, but it turned out mm. that it was sponsored by Dove and it was part of their influencer uh, strategy and not something that the influencers wrote up themselves. And then there was a lot of talk about how, you know, it, the company would have been better off by just saying this is paid uh, advertising. Being transparent. Yeah, being transparent about it. Well, so Dove has a long history of, uh, uh, so it's a company that really became a brand with a point of view in the early 2000s. And in the last 10, 15 years, it had its had to send down in the way the company was doing that. Even think about there was a campaign some years ago in the US in which there was a, a African-American woman taking away her clothes and becoming white, right? This was also very, very much, uh, uh, even though the intention was to show how you can change your skin and be beauty as you want, this was Rationally, this was a big problem, and mm. and and you and you ask yourself as a stakeholder, how could the organization not see this was the problem? Because of course this was right. And here's the mm. same: how could they not see that not being transparent on the way you advertise and pay influencers could become a problem? So mm. um, uh, uh, clearly, becoming a brand with a point of view becomes problematic, right? Uh, you are much more onto the spot and. Uh, and this requires more responsibility on your side to do things right always, right? Because otherwise it doesn't seem authentic. Mm. Uh, Dove is an organization like any other, probably it has some mismanagement insights related with uh, 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 some practices. I don't know what are the ethical guidelines that are going on and put in practice in, in Finland. I would say it's the basic of any organization to be transparent on, on paid advertisement, right, today. Uh, uh, and I don't know exactly what went wrong in that case, why they didn't do that, but clearly uh, it's not a smart move, definitely. Mm -hmm. So we've talked a lot about the digitalization's effect on issues and issues management. Has anything not changed despite you know digitalization's impact on it? What, what's remained the same? So I would say, and here maybe I might sound a bit vintage or classic, <laughs> I don't know, to, to those who hear, and in particular, I think to students, and, and my students, when I say that also in class, they say, okay, that's not the discovery of the hot water, but I really believe that media still provide, still are important, right? I mean, in issues management, the media sphere has always, the news media, right, the traditional news media has always been very important to provide credibility to what it said about an issue and especially like you know in this world of stakeholders like we said before having you know a a a, a, a known news media uh, certifying somehow what is said online and giving it importance still it's an important part of the process of of issues management right and this hasn't changed and so metaphorically speaking, if you think of issues management like a cockpit of an airplane, well, the cockpit is always the same, right? You have in front of you a number of indicators, issues, stakeholders, you have the media, who still are very important. And it's still an important piece of, uh, of the process of issues management. Mm. And we don't have to forget about that. So even though we talk about digital revolution, there is still this very important symbiotic relationship between the new media sphere and the more traditional one which has to be a knowledge and has to be given importance in issues management. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. What about, um, you know, we talk about influences and you talked about uh, vintage issue. Uh, yeah. Some of us are a little bit older than others. And I remember <laughs> opinion leaders, 
So uh, <laughs> do you think they still have a role to play, influencers or opinion leaders in issues management, despite digitalization's effect on all of this? So I would say one of the main learnings from digitalization and issues management is that it's not anymore about monitoring influencers, but it's about predicting content, mm. boosting, right? So, and so I would say they are less important than before in the sense that given that now there is this digital collectives that are done of many participants that might not be influencers, what one is interesting to monitor and predict is the race of a discourse, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and this sometimes doesn't depend on influencers. Now, say that influencers are anyway very important in particular because when there is a digital collective going on, the influencer can really very much giving it a boost, right? Mm -hmm. But uh, I would say if in the past influencers was was the, the starting point for a monitoring, nowadays it's not the only starting point. So they still have to be considered uh, uh, as crucial but they're not the only element in this cockpit, I would say. So you have new indicators to look at. And um, yeah, and I think this is a good news as well, right? Uh, 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 because, uh, uh, and, and a bad news, right? On one side, you have much more information and content to monitor, so you can better predict things. Mm. On the other side, you have more difficulty to understand who is beyond that, because if we don't have the influencer, who are the people be behind these digital collectives? What characterizes them? What are the motivations? We are in front of, uh, of, uh, of, a, of, a, of, a, of an audience, of a constituency that we don't really understand who they are. And every time they have a new skin, right? So that's what makes it more difficult for issues managers. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, Laura, is there a dark side or a downside when it comes to the digitalization uh, on changes in issues management? Um. So I wish they were not, but I would say, yes, I think uh, there is always, uh, whenever, you know, data information has become an exchange, if you want, since digitalization is there, data is money, right? And so uh, the fact that issues management collects information, data to analyze, monitor, predict the surveillance risk right on the motivation beyond doing issues management is there. So data ingested for issues management purposes might constitute a new form of surveillance if it's mm -hmm. used in that way. And this is clearly, I would say, an important, uh, uh, you know, possible, I, would, I wouldn't say it's, it's, a, it's a current dark side, but it's a possible dark side of issues management. Because there might not be regulations uh, and regulations are improving, right? But still, uh, uh, I would say uh, the way to treat the data one uses for analyzing how intrusive one can be, uh, it's, it's still a topic, I would say. And uh, and maybe another thing is what I told you before, this dark PR, this non-ethical use, mm. uh, using mo monitoring and using information more than to predict and find opportunities and monitor and defend, more to attack and discredit mm. could be another another dark side. And this has always been like this, right? But the digitalization has, has, has augmented the risk of that because mm -hmm. there are more people who uh, uh, maybe enter into, into the issues management mode for the wrong purposes, right? And this is clearly, yeah, yeah unfortunately, a possible risk. Mm -hmm. Tell us about this example of the delete Uber boycott and what lessons we can learn from that example. 
Yeah, so we, we included this example in the chapter because this is from a study which was published in the Journal of Public Affairs and we are retaking it here as an example. It's a, it's a perfect example. because a boycott for a company, right? And one might, if you look at it superficially, you might think, okay, there is one boycott, one voice, everybody wants people to stop using the Uber uh, app. This was the case of Uber, not uh, during the Trump uh, uh, banning travel ban, uh, Uber was still providing the service, whereas taxi drivers, they were um, uh, they were doing a, a strike, right? And so there was a, a, a controversy around the fact that Uber was opportunistically making money out of that, right? And so this, this uh, boycott came out. One might think that's the main reason, there is a unity, but if you look at the digital collectives beyond it, that's what we do in the chapter, right? We show this as an example, there are many voices many fires for Uber to, to start to try to extinguish, right, as issues. Uh, there was something related to diversity, other related to uh, uh, discrimination, to, of course, the unfair competition to taxi drivers, to other topics related to uh, uh, this company, but that were not only topics, but were issues because they had someone behind advocating for them. They had uh, the possibility to be managed for the best instead of only be a, just a trending topic, just the company had the choice to decide what to address first. And, and I think that's what we try to do with this example, showing the fragmentation beyond a possible u unity, uh, uh, unique event like a, a boycott, right? Mm -hmm. So would you say that a company can, um, or any type of organization can avoid issues? Um... I think issues can be prevented and their gravity can be avoided, right? So the mm -hmm. fact that they become a crisis, this could be potentially avoided. That's was the main function of issues management is to avoid that an issue become a crisis at some point, right? Mm -hmm. So, uh, but an issue in the early potential phases cannot be avoided. It can only be managed, right? What you can avoid is that it becomes a bad thing, right? A very big problem for the organization. Mm -hmm. But you cannot avoid issues. Issues are there. I think we could see that, you know, we are now in a constant issues management mode after the pandemic, right? Uh, if before there were companies not doing issues management, now they, they understood the importance of doing that. And issues are there always. And it's the way you manage, you are ready to react to them that makes them really very big and problematic issues or not. Mm -hmm. And uh, and that's really, so I don't think you can really avoid an issue. You can avoid that it becomes uh, 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 later on uh, in a much more uh, urgent phase. So yeah, mm -hmm. it, it's really about prevention, right? You can prevent this really, you can do that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We're just wrapping up in a minute, uh, Laura. So perhaps you could uh, give some advice um, for organizations, especially for corporate communication practitioners who are dealing with issues management in today's complex digital environment? Yeah, so I would say probably the first advice I would give, and this is something that my co-host in this book chapter, Elena Corleone, she always says also for her long experience you know, uh, uh, as a professional, and, and this is something that we really try to provide in this book chapter is the idea that issues management is not just anymore about monitoring, but it's about predicting, right? Mm -hmm. uh, predicting a tipping point, which is what we explain in the book chapter, it's a critical mass of, of discussions and discourse and hashtags or you know, any unit of analysis you have that shows you there is starts to be convergence around an issue, right? 
And it's about predicting the rays of this of these digital collectives more than just monitoring. So I would say practitioners really they need to change from the mood of just monitoring to the one of predicting. And this is crucial today because why? Because before you could monitor stakeholders, but now you need to predict issues that emerge as digital collectives, right? You cannot just monitor someone. Uh, so the predicting aspect is crucial here, I would say. That would be my first suggestion. The other one is that to really focus on content rather than only influencers and users, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. We uh, manage managers that maybe are put into an issues management function. Maybe they are have a background in marketing or in others where they have been trained more to to uh, 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 target influencers for marketing purposes, where issues management is a bit different. Of course, you can still target influencers, and you have to do that. But you also have to really focus on content rather than just stakeholders and influencers, I would say. And then, yes, you know, stop monitoring those communities, right? The idea, some practitioners right now, when I talk to them, they say, you know, I'm, I'm looking at this group and at this group of people, these forums, this, yes, these are, this is where people discuss, but digital collectives emerge outside them, right? And so you really need to really understand the ecosystem of, of discourses, right, that are there and, uh, and it's really about changing a bit the, the modus operandi of how we have been working so far as professional in this area. Right. Uh, yeah. Right. Mm. So think a bit, and this is our closing question, <laughs> towards <laughs> the future. Um, what do you think will happen to issues management in the future? You mentioned already that it's going to be more about predicting. Mm. Um, is that how you see it happening? Or will we be able to preempt things in real time in the future? Uh, well, you know, I think I'm biased because I love this area and I've been teaching issues management in the last 15 years or more. So, of course, I think it will be like this. Uh, it's also a wish, I would say. And I think uh, digitalization really has allowed the issues managers to professionalize more. Uh, the most difficult thing when you're an issues manager is to go to the board or to the people who are taking decisions and, and tell them that that's a problem. That's an issue we have to preemptively do something about that. And of course, it's difficult to prove, to show, right? And mm -hmm. uh, and and I think uh, the future of issues management is really to use all these more predicting reports, tipping point analysis, digital collectives monitoring, to really show that something is going on and it's becoming, you know, uh, a, a situation to deal with. And I would say, yes, I think the future of issues management, I think it's bright because in fact, uh, we can professionalize more we right now, I think, yeah, organization have really understood much more that probably even having a, a part of the department being devoted to that, it's worth. And, and especially if, if we really as, as academics and professionals in this area, we are able to really make past the message that it's about catching opportunities rather than only avoiding and being on the defensive, like, you know, like football, right? You have a good defense, but you also need to have a good attack. Uh, yeah. that, that would be great. I think this is really the future of issues management is to use all these tools for catching opportunities, gain more on the attack side and than just being defensive. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much, Laura. You've really provided everyone with uh, and us with lots of insight into this, especially because issues management and yeah, is it, is changing quite a bit. Social media is making things, issues develop so far, so quickly, and there's multiple different factors that are triggering all of that. So you've provided lots of insight into that. So thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks, Laura. 
You were listening to the Digital Corporate Communication DCC podcast. <laughs>